down inside, you know family life should be fun, but also have purpose. However, somewhere along the way, your values, your beliefs, and the expectations you had for your family have gotten lost in the midst of everyday life. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're on a mission to help you become the family you were meant to be. Whether you've been a parent for a while, just starting out, or thinking of becoming one, this podcast will inspire you to design and create a thriving family culture. The contributing factors in culture are vision, values, and beliefs, and practices which include language. This is episode 11 of the podcast. This week we will be focusing on the words we use in our everyday that shape our family's culture. Practices within a family include the rhythms and routines of our home. It's how we will operate in any given day or situation how we use technology, and how we relate to one another, which includes the language we use. Words matter when it comes to building culture, and here are two reasons why. Language informs the way we think and interact with the world. When you say something over and over again, you eventually believe it and your actions will follow. This includes daily sentiments, conversations, and values you share with your spouse and children. Not only that, but what we say to a considerable degree determines what others think and therefore act. An example of this is Horse Shoals of Ritz-Carlton. We've mentioned Ritz-Carlton before. He's shaped his employee decorum and conduct with the phrase, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And Ruli Giuliani, when he was working to build a better New York, he said that people created the problem so people can fix it. The level of service is elevated at the Ritz-Carlton because its employees are reminded regularly that just because they have service jobs does not mean that they are less than the people they serve. They are ladies and gentlemen. And in New York, people were empowered because of the simple words that reassured them that they could fix the problems they were facing. Yeah, I read about one company that doesn't allow their employees to say, I'm sorry. They felt that skipping over sorries forced them to seek solutions faster. Rather than apologizing for being late, with a report or miscommunicating a client request, they would go straight to, how can I fix this? This kind of language turned problems into a solution. Consistency in this area fostered critical thinking, problem solving, and ownership of the work. Language also fosters a sense of unity and membership. We see this in business and organizations as growing numbers of people are working remotely. It's a company's unique dialect, acronyms, jargon, slang, inside jokes and abbreviations in their communications that create community and build culture, not proximity. You know, sometimes my husband comes home from work and tells me about his day, and I feel like he's speaking a different language simply because I'm not in the finance field. He uses acronyms for programs they use and reports they run, and no matter what I do, I can't seem to remember them even after all these years. When he talks with his colleagues, though, they get it. There's no explanation needed. In our family, certain words and phrases connect us. For example, my kids know exactly what I mean when I refer to the rules, because together we're reading The Essential 55 by Ron Clark, which covers everyday basic etiquette rules that we're practicing together. Or when I ask the kids if they want to snuggle in the evening, they know it means, do you want to come into my room and read a book together before bed? Also, obscure references to Doctor Who are like an inside joke for us because we binge-watch the first eight seasons of the show together. Both the language you choose to use and choose not to use impact your family culture. The examples of Ritz-Carlton using ladies and gentlemen and the company that chooses not to say, I'm sorry, represents this well. 
Kimberly, give us some examples of the words that we use and don't use at home. So I believe we've mentioned this in other podcasts, but when our family hosts a connect group, when we talk about plan and prepare for that evening, we say we host, not mommy and daddy hosts. It gets them involved in the process. It makes them feel like they're part of something. Statements that we definitely stop in our tracks are things like I deserve because there's no sense of entitlement here. That's dumb. And I wouldn't have done that. Being critical of others is never encouraging. We're also working on avoiding why questions because why questions put a person on the defensive and encourage intimidating analytical thinking. If you'd like to start rethinking the words that you use in your home, here are a few ways you can do that. Start by reflecting on your childhood. What are the expressions that made you feel bad? What expressions that encouraged you and brought you life? Yeah, you can also write down any legacy phrases that float through your family, things that have been said by your grandmother, your mother, and now you find yourself saying them. Are they healthy? Do they need erasing? Write down the various phrases and expressions you use regularly. Look them over and ask yourself, what feelings do they invoke? What behaviors do you think your family members will take on when they hear them? Communication is a skill, and like most things, it takes practice to do it well. The language you choose will most certainly change as you try things on for size. Carl and I are still working out what language is acceptable and not acceptable in our home. And the more we learn about the power of words and hear what does and doesn't work for others, the easier it is for us to refine our communication. Words matter when it comes to building family culture, and here is a little recap. Language informs the way we think and interact with the world. Not only that, but what we say to a considerable degree determines what others think, and therefore how they act. This means our spouse and our children. Language also fosters a sense of unity and membership. Both the language you choose to use and choose not to use impacts your family culture. Communication is a skill, and like most things, it takes practice to do it well. That's it for today. This is the last episode of season one of the podcast, and we hope that over the last few weeks, you've gotten an understanding of what family culture is and what it takes to build a thriving one. We are taking off a few weeks, but are looking forward to returning in June for season two of the show, which is jam-packed with amazing guests you won't want to miss. They're experts, leaders, and everyday people who will share with you what they've learned about creating and maintaining a healthy culture in their organizations and in their homes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss the start of this incredible second season. You can also sign up for a monthly newsletter to be the first to hear the trailer of our upcoming season. You can do that on thefamilycultureproject.com. In the meantime, join us on Instagram. We post there almost daily. You can find me at Kimberly Amici. And you can find me at Carl Amici. Remember that family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.